Hey, you're listening to Grace and People, a podcast about the people of Grace and Peace, Austin. I'm Nate Oynanen, and today we're listening to Ellie Busher as she interviews James Holiday. Ellie Busher grew up in Elgin, which is just outside of Austin, Texas, and she came over from All Saints to plant Grace and Peace when she was a senior in high school. Since then, she's completed her undergrad at UT and is now just about to finish up a master's in speech language pathology at Texas State. James Holiday is originally from the Rio Grande Valley. He came to Austin in 2013 to study architecture at UT. He's a big fan of long distance bike rides and swimming at the Deep Eddy Pool. This was recorded on March 25th, 2021. Let's listen in. Hey, James, how are you today? I'm pretty good, Ellie. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, this is a really cool opportunity. I'm glad we get to do this. So for yeah, everyone listening, I'm Ellie. I will be interviewing James Holiday. Um, James, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you live, how you feel? Yeah. So I've... Um, Goodness, I guess I've been in Austin for around seven, going on eight years now. I came here to attend the uh, University of Texas School of Architecture. And before that, I was living in a little town called Harlingen in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, if you've ever been to South Padre Island, you'll probably mm -hmm. know it as the town with the overpass and the Bass Pro Shop that you pass through. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's together. the most recognizable thing about the place, unless you're a Texas <laughs> geography whiz. Which I'm not. No, I mean, it, even that's a that's a pretty deep cut, <laughs> for being honest. Is that where you grew up? No, not at all, actually. I only spent my last year of high school there. Um, okay. I was born in Hawaii, of all places. Oh, wow. Um, my dad was a submarine officer, and we moved all around anywhere that had a naval base in the United States. We probably lived there at some point. Um, and yeah, by the time, goodness, I was, I guess, seven or eight years old, I'd lived in Hawaii, California, Connecticut. Washington and Nebraska. And then in high school, I pretty much moved every year. Um, lived in New York City for a summer, Costa Rica, McAllen, Texas, and then ended up in Harlingen right before moving to Austin. So you could say okay. been kind of itinerant. <laughs> Is there any uh, specific place that you identify with most as growing up? Like a place that you feel like you grew up them I don't know. Have the yeah. most roots, maybe? It's hard to say just because there's so much moving seems to change seems to be the only constant that was mm. necessarily had. Um the entire the entire time I lived in Nebraska, I wished I was living in Washington. Okay. <laughs> the place that was before it. And that's those two states took up most of my childhood. Okay. And then I guess as soon as I moved to Texas, I wish that I was back in Nebraska for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, it's only in the 
maybe last year, two years that I've actually come around to thinking myself, thinking of myself as being Texan in some way. So I'm not really fond of the idea of moving back or going back to any of those places that I've lived before. I'd say that I'm pretty happy where I am. Good. Well, if it's any consolation, I've always thought of you as Texan. Oh, thank you. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, because of my because of the boots I wear around, right? Oh yeah, and the yeah. and the hat and everything. Yeah. The big bolo tie too. That's my uh-huh. favorite part of the get really Give off the vibe of cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you ever been on a submarine? Yeah, I have actually. Um, before nine eleven, they would actually have the families of submariners on the boats for dinners or tours and whatnot. So I remember. Gosh, I guess I would have been around four or five years old going onto a submarine and asking my dad if I could see the place that he slept. If you don't know much about submarine, I guess the one thing that people know about submarines is that the bunks are really small. It's like mm-hmm. sleeping in a coffin. And I remember getting in and even as a child, like thinking that I was, it was too tight. Oh, wow. <laughs> And then I didn't like it, started crying and asked to be let out of the bunk. And that's about the only memory I have. (laughs) Okay. So not really a good one. I mean, to their credit, like my dad was working on the largest boats that there were, but they still felt incredibly cramped to a five-year-old. So I can't imagine what it would be like to be a full grown man under sea for six months at a time. That sounds like a nightmare to me. Yeah. I asked my dad about it and he said that he just didn't care. He just has very few scruples when it comes to his spatial environment. Well, then that is a good quality to have if that's good your quality job. to have, not one that I would ask for. <laughs> no, me neither. Um, how did you end up at Grace and Peace? Well, goodness gracious. Um, let's see. I think it was through you, right? You invited me. Was it? Oh, it was. That's funny. (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah, I think, I think it was. Um, Back in, what was that, 2016? Yeah, 2016 or something like that. Uh, Yeah, no, I think I was just living in Austin. I'd become friends with a couple of people, you and Holt. Yeah, that's crazy. And i wasn't going to a church at the moment and kind of felt like I ought to be going to a church. So started attending grace and peace. And I'd say that, uh, I've never stopped nominally attending grace and peace. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, um, a funny thing because I still have a membership with the PCA church down in Harlingen. I've just never gotten around to, Oh, really? transferring it yeah so i'm still on the rolls down there and i guess i should get that taken care of maybe there's an elder listening to this who can really push me on that (laughs) you'll get an email in a couple days yeah that's what i'm hoping for this is really a cry for help if anything (laughs) i'm sure someone will hear it (laughs) let me know how many emails you get yeah no but uh, i mean i think that generally speaking like when i came to college, I was pretty eager to start attending a church. You know, I I think for for a while I went to PCA church in South Austin that had 
um, some connections to the mission group that my parents work with. They'd send short-term teams down. So it was a really easy process of just finding some people that I already knew and kind of getting worked into that. Um, I guess by the time that we met, I was getting tired of driving down that far, <laughs> like down, I don't know, down on Mopac every week. Mm-hmm. So the geographic proximity of grace and peace was really nice. Good yeah. changes. That makes sense. You were having car problems then too, weren't you? Have you ever <laughs> not had car problems? No, no, I, I really <laughs> haven't. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I, I think that if you're driving a car that costs more than $5,000, you're making a mistake. And that's why you've had car problems for the duration. I'd rather I'd rather spend a hundred dollars here and there to fix it up than to have spent more over the lifetime in insurance or car payments or anything like that. I'd say I respect that. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna stand by that. I do not doubt you. You've had the same car for the whole time I've known you, so and it was old when I met you. I think that uh, in a few years, I might be able to get vintage plates for it if I wanted to. That could be kind of Would you want to? You know, I don't think so. Really? I don't want to take, I don't want to backtrack on my previous position, but um, <laughs> it is a bit of a pain to be fixing your car constantly. So I might <laughs> have to spend more than $5,000 in the near future. We'll do another podcast when that happens. Yeah, no. Revisit that, that, the topic. <laughs> revisit this topic and see if I have any regrets. I, I I may. Okay. But for now, you stand by a cheaper car. Wholeheartedly. Okay. Well, on that note, I'm going to ask you a segue into a little bit of a deeper conversation. Sure. Um, I was wondering if you could share something, if there was a, there's a moment that you feel like was formative in you growing up or you becoming Mm. who you are today? And if there's more than one, that's fine. But whatever comes to mind first. That's a good question, Ellie. I mean, I'd say, broadly speaking, my parents' decision to become missionaries was very formative to who I am today in manifold ways, you know, it's not just in positive ways. I think that there's a lot of good and bad that needs to be sorted with just because of the upheaval that that decision caused and the relative lack of stability for several years in a time where I think stability is very crucial, those years of high school. Um, But I think a good way to sort of talk about that transition is through like kind of weird story. Um, I think it was in 2006, 2007, so a while ago at this point. My dad had just retired from the military and we were living in Omaha and attending a church there. And since we kind of stopped moving and being the recipient of care from churches, you know, just having a large family and a dad that's gone all the time. Um, My mom decided that she wanted to become more involved in actively helping people rather than actively receiving it. (laughs) So she decided to go on a mission trip to Juarez, Mexico, Um, which at that point, 
I don't know why the church was sending anyone to Juarez, Mexico. 2006 in Juarez was a pretty rough time. Just, mm -hmm. and it's, it's just kind of coming back from it with all the sort of violence on the border. But um, she went down and did a sort of short-term work team for a week. And while she was gone, my dad had the great idea that he would surprise her with a new car when she got back. It was going to be her birthday or something the day or two after she returned. Okay. So he just had this grand vision of driving up to the airport in a totally different car, not having my mom recognize him and him oh. pulling down the roof of a convertible and <laughs> doing like a, I'm here, it's me. Surprise. What's the, whose car is it that I'm driving? So he spent that week like feverishly searching for a convertible and he ended up going for, I think it was a 2003 Mazda Miata, which is a really fun car to drive. I mean, it's not that expensive of a car, but I guess for a family that's accustomed to only driving minivans or the classic beige 12 passenger homeschool van, um, it's pretty exciting. So he, he bought one and everyone was really, really pumped for it and really looking forward to seeing my mom's reaction to this thing. So the day, the day arrives and we're left at our grandparents' house. Um, and my dad zooms off in the convertible to pick my mom up from the airport. <laughs> and apparently it did not go very well. Oh, when no. they got back at the house, <laughs> my mom were just sort of, it, I don't want to say that there was an argument or anything because I don't I don't know for sure. It's just that there were some rather sort of serious faces. Okay. <laughs> the best I can guess is that after spending a week in a violent and impoverished part of the world and sensing some desire to work there and spend the rest of her life there because shortly after she would tell my dad and us that she thought that we ought she ought to become a missionary and we ought to move to the u.s mexico border i just imagine holding those two things next to each other like the desire to <laughs> serve more in some amount of poverty and then being surprised with a convertible <laughs> don't really just, go together no and i don't think there's anything bad about convertibles or enjoying like nice things but I think that it probably caused some dissonance for my mom at the moment and I mean I think that it was an uphill battle for her to convince our dad to um to go for it and to sort of accept the calling that she thinks that she had and it would take many more years to actually get down to the mission field. But I'd say that that's sort of the moment that I guess from just like the strangeness of the situation and the reaction that was received, we all sort of had this sense that something was going to change. Okay. So I, I, I guess it took probably about four more years from that point and 
them sort of going through a long application process to become missionaries. And then by the time, you know, I finished up my freshman year of high school, we were pretty set to move to Costa Rica, which was a crazy adventure. <laughs> so was Costa Rica for missions or for your, your dad, like your dad was retired at that point? Yeah, he was retired from the military okay. and he had just quit his job as a defense contractor. And after being accepted as missionaries for MTW, my parents needed to go to language school. Yeah. And one of the options was Costa Rica. So we lived there for about a year, um, them attending language school and my sisters and I attending the little Christian school associated with the Spanish Institute. And um, it was a really great time. I enjoyed it a lot. It was really disappointing to go from the beaches of Costa Rica to the beaches of Texas. I bet. Galveston is just not very pretty. Or rather, it's pretty in its own special, special way. I think it's unfair to put any expectations upon it. But in direct comparison to Costa Rica. Fairly disappointing. (laughs) That's fair. I, it has also been disappointing to me prior to visiting Costa Rica. So. I think that that's kind of the marvelous thing about Galveston is like how concentrated its ugliness is. Like, (laughs) I'm sorry if anyone listening to this is from Galveston, but like the first time that I went there, I was amazed to find like a chunk of raw sort of crude oil, just kind of. Have you ever found that? Sometimes it's there. you see these like solidified chunks of crude oil that sort of speckle the beach just because there's fissures in the uh, ocean floor and mm-hmm. it bubbles up. It's really so strange and smelly, but yeah. it's fun. Yeah, if I, between, between the choice of two beaches, I will generally choose one that is not Galveston. Yeah. I mean, South Padre is fairly nice, but then you run into other issues down there, I guess. That's fair. Yeah. So circling back a little bit to your story with the convertible. Yeah. I can see how that would change your family and your family's trajectory um, pretty significantly. But how do you feel like it directly impacted you Mm -hmm. or who you became? I think that it certainly was difficult in a few ways. One being just picking up and leaving what we had in Omaha. We'd been living there for about seven years at that point. And I had a lot of good friends and I guess I was going from you know, middle school into high school and kind of coming up with who I was, at least socially. Mm -hmm. Um, I was starting to sort of define more clearly what I was interested in. You know, I think that any kid does that in that time. And it's really critical for like forming an identity apart from your family. And, um, I guess all of that stability that I guess that I had taken for granted was gone fairly quickly. 
and I was just thrown into a world of things and places and people that I didn't really expect. And I think ultimately that turned out to be a really good thing for me. I'm, I'm not going to knock Omaha too badly, but I, it's not a challenging place in many ways, especially kind of in the homeschool community there. It's pretty easy to have like a sort of set trajectory, I suppose. And going to New York City, going to Costa Rica and then ending up in Texas and just having to encounter unexpected places, people and cultures, I think made me a more imaginative person and gave me a lot of things to think about and figure out that I don't think I would have confronted any other way. And, you know, going into an architectural education from that perspective was important because by the time I got to school, I sort of had this or this sense of um, what could be different, or I had a more diverse set of experiences to draw upon whenever I was given, I think, a prompt for a building or a project. There were just more things to think about and to sort of work through while I was designing things and studying. Um, I mean, I guess it's the reason why anyone studies abroad while they're in school. just being around other places makes you confront what you hold to be, I guess, right or good or what, what things that would ordinarily be taken as a given, you know, now I was able to go into the world and not just see or judge every building by what I'd seen in Omaha, Nebraska, but through different places, different methods, different ways of people relating to each other or using space. Um, I think it was important in a lot of vague yet still substantial ways, just being confronted with difference. Does that make sense? No, that makes perfect sense. I feel like it would shape you a lot just learning how to deal with change that early on also and that frequently. In good ways and bad ways, I think. Um, One thing that I found in the last few years is that I'm pretty good at making friends with about anyone I meet, but I'm really bad at maintaining friendships. I think it's because in the back of my head, I always assume that I'll just have a couple of years to go and then I'll just have to sort of start over again. (laughs) Yeah. And that's been difficult. So you've been in Austin for six years now, is that right? Yeah, I guess seven years. And I'm just starting to feel comfortable with it. And that's kind of the craziest thing. Are there people that you have known for the the entirety of that time that it's weird knowing someone or like being not connected to someone for that long? Yeah, I mean, my uh, housemate, Will, we went through architecture school together and we've lived together for about six years now. And I can say that he's probably the longest friend that I've probably had in my life, which Mm. is really interesting. Cause I think by the time 
most people go to college, they're in the position where they have to say goodbye to the things that they hold as constant or known in their lives. But for me, it's really been the opposite Mm -hmm. to where I've tried to find things that are stable and dependable. Okay. And to kind of take comfort in things that are known rather than unknown, I suppose. I I think that that's why I, um, I really love routine. That's what I've come to Mm. find. I've come to find that in the last few years. Yeah. I have also, that's something I've also learned about myself that I love routine, but probably in different ways. Well, what, what are your routines, Ellie? I'm going to turn this around on you for a second. Okay. Um, I have a bunch of little funky routines. Like okay. um, every Monday I check on my plants. Monday is my plant day. I have a lot of plants. Um, prior to COVID every Sunday, I would go to a coffee shop before church by myself um, or go to a park like a, a very, a very scheduled block of time that was mine for a specific purpose each week yeah. was kind of how I built my rhythms. No, um, or still do. I don't know why I'm talking in the past tense. Yeah. Just the coffee yeah. shop one is past tense. Cause COVID. Rest in peace going to coffee shops, right? I know. Are you a coffee shop person? I'm trying to be less of one because it's a, losing financial situation to always buy coffee instead of making it yourself so i've been trying i've tried to be more disciplined in Mm -hmm. that regard however i will never give up my fondness for quacks bakery Uh, i haven't been in the last couple of weeks and it's made me a little sad but that used to at least be one of the major points in my routine is once a week mm-hmm. I would go there and just spend an entire night. Um, I'd get a pastry and a coffee and then just walk around that neighborhood. Um, mm-hmm. Just really nice. And I have I don't know. I just really love the alleyways up there. Like it'll sit, this might sound a little ridiculous, but I just think um, it's so interesting to be able to walk through those alleyways and they're sort of all kind of in a perfect order in that part of town and just see what people's lives are in the backyards or the sort of weird additions that they make onto their houses the front yard is always very collected and put into order but the backyard is always this uh bricolage of just chaos i don't know and then there's whole like micro neighborhoods in the in the alleyways too because people have these backyard houses that they might be renting out or their adult Mm -hmm. son might be living there i don't know it's just this i don't know this diverse and chaotic situation and I just um I love the idea of someday going around with my camera and just sort of making a systematic effort to take a long exposure photograph at night of each courtyard and sort of I mean not of each alleyway and its particular quality make a map yeah I think it could be a really fun project because I just love the 
the ambiance of it. And I don't really know how to explain it much more than that. I, I guess just whenever I found myself being stressed, uh, the solution would be go to Quacks, get a pastry, and then just walk around Hyde Park for the for the night. Mm, some good old self-care. <laughs> it's probably the weirdest way of, a, yeah, going about self-care, but I I'm enjoy it greatly. Is that one that, are you still doing that? Not as much since my car broke down a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) I've just been biking everywhere since and haven't been feeling too inspired in fixing the what has gone wrong. So maybe I'll just have to increase my biking radius. (laughs) Or fix my car. One or the other. One or the other. It can't be both. Certainly. No. No. Um, well, one more question before we start wrapping up. Yeah. What are some things that you are like unashamedly good at? Like some things oh, that you're man. really good at. At one point, if you if you had asked me this when I was 12, I would have said trivia and piano. Those were two things okay. that I think in my adolescence I was pretty unashamedly good at, but I've fallen out of practice with both. Um okay. At the moment, you know, I'm not sure that there's so much that I would say I'm unashamedly good at. Um, I feel like I'm just kind of muddling through a whole variety of things and trying to become good at them. Okay. Or not trying, I guess. I don't know. Um, what are some examples? I really enjoy, I, got, I bought a camera last year. I've been enjoying mm. experimenting with that and just trying to slowly understand how to use it better um i'm still you know after five years in architecture school trying to become better at drawing it's a slow process and there's always more that you can learn how Mm -hmm. to do um i would say if there's anything that i'm unashamedly good at i'm i'm good at reading i think i take a tremendous amount of joy in just being able to sit down with a book and I don't know how you would necessarily judge skill. The goodness of reading, that. But <laughs> I feel like I'm there. Okay. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. I'm not going to yeah. test you on that. Uh, I mean, how could you? Great. Outside of having me take the SAT or something. That's yeah. Not, I'm, that's I feel like good. you would kind of enjoy it if I had you take the SAT. <laughs> no, it stressed me out so much. <laughs> But I wouldn't wish that on anyone. No, I wouldn't either. I don't even know why we're talking about it. We will stop talking about it. All right. So the very last thing, um, we're going to do a quick speed round. You ready? Yeah. So how, how does this work? Is it just one word answers to your questions or? Yeah. So I'm going to give you an either or this or that. And you just pick one. Cool. Okay. Breakfast or dinner? Breakfast. Coffee or tea? It depends, honestly. I'm trying to appreciate tea more. That's not a one-word answer, but... That's okay. Great. At the point, aren't they kind of the same thing? Like, I mean, not in terms of their physical makeup, but the whole the processes that go behind them. Maybe maybe that's a very uninformed opinion, but... I feel me, like I kind of continuum. drink coffee to wake up, and I drink tea for, like, the aesthetic of it. But I bet there's teas that would defy that probably Drink. okay uh blue or red 
I defer. I don't believe in favorite colors. I didn't ask you your favorite, to be fair. But it's bagels are, okay. Bagels or toast? Bagels, definitely. Alaska or Hawaii? Killing me. This is my birth state, Ellie. Um, Alaska, without okay. too many reservations. Text or call? Neither. <laughs> um, morning or evening? Morning. All right. Library or museum? It depends on the quality of the library and the museum. I thought that one would be hard for you. Yeah. Keep things or throw them away? I aspire to keep more things and throw less things away, but I fail at that every day. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's find a good last one. Mm, I think I know the answer to this, but beach or mountains? That's actually really tough. I find no way to compare them well. Okay. They're just so fundamentally different. And I understand that like the base of that question is that those are two, the two places where we like to recreate. Mm -hmm. But I'd rather not hit them against each other like that. I enjoy beaches for entirely different reasons than I enjoy mountains. And I will not be brought into this game of yours, Ellie. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll stop. That's it. Last one. <laughs> I'm really bad at these either or questions. <laughs> That's okay. We learn more about you. Yeah. Fundamentally okay. agree with or disagree with either or questions. That's you should have told me that question. before I did them. Yeah, uh, but it's still kind of fun. How how it's else fun. would I have been able to talk about that without their either or questions? Well, I will aspire to neither call nor text you since. That is I appreciate that only face-to-face <laughs> visits that's <laughs> okay well thanks so much for joining James it was a pleasure to have you yeah it was uh it was a pleasure to talk I'm sorry if I got too rambly for anybody listening in well I appreciated it uh, well if anyone would like to ramble you know where to find me <laughs> that was Ellie Busher interviewing James Holiday. Thanks for listening into the Grace and People podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're interested in being a part of this podcast, either as a volunteer or maybe you just want to interview someone you know at our church, or maybe you want to be interviewed, uh, shoot us an email at graceandpeoplepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. This episode was produced by Joey Perez and myself, Nate Oinonen. Thanks so much for listening in. Hope to see you next time. Take care.